Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. You are listening to the COB podcast here from Ausbiz. It is November the 14th. It's a Monday. I'm your host, David Scott, now back in Adelaide. Unfortunately, not doing this face-to-face with Kyle Rodder, who's in our Sydney studios. But nonetheless, Kyle, will persist uh, a bit of a disappointing session, all things being equal. The uh, local market started with a bit of gusto, but then uh, now fell flat towards the end and then actually finished in ever so slightly in negative territory. A bit of a disappointing uh, performance, all things considered. Yeah, would you want to just call it uh, a bit of profit taking at seventy two hundred and call it a day? I mean, you know, you, after such a almost for, for for most of it, it was an ex- inexplicable rally, really. I mean, obviously we've had a fair bit of impetus over the last week or so, which you can sort of say, okay, well, you know, you can see the logic behind it. But what are we up 10 percent more um, over the course of a month or so? You know, new week. That was a good week last week. Some good news to start off the day. Just. Uh, pocket some of that and yeah um put your chips back in yeah. tomorrow i think we need confirmation from the u.s markets it's generally the way it's uh, not not a lot of uh, gusto usually on a monday in asia with the exception today when it comes to chinese markets of course because we've got that double dose of relatively good news i suppose out over the weekend so ever so slightly you know loosening of uh, you know, dynamic covid zero restrictions but still very punishing nonetheless uh, if uh, you know you get exposed or contact uh, or actually go and get the virus itself uh, clearly very incremental the uh, the, uh, the unwinding we're seeing at this point in time but you know any sniff of that the market gets pretty excited and then some measures to go and help the property sector it seems like deja vu all over again albeit I think if you look into the details, it's not the full hog uh, kitten caboodle when it comes to sort of throwing everything in the kitchen sink to go and, and promote the property market. But uh, some of the gains we saw in uh, the property developers in Hong Kong today, uh, Country Garden, I think, is like the second largest property developer uh, in the world, not just in China. Mm. Uh, it was a 50% plus at one stage during the session. just shows you, you know, a, a whiff of anything that's even an inkling of good news and uh, it doesn't take much to go and get the markets excited at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Do we just relever, re- relever up now and just play out the the last half a decade um, uh, once again? Is that is that the playbook? Fifty percent for for a company worth what some, X billion dollars seems pretty extreme. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if it went down that path. But you know, this is the uh, the twenty twenties. Expect the unexpected. You never know quite what to go and expect on any given uh, no day when it comes to some of the policy making and how quickly things go and change at this point of time. Look, uh, we had a lot of great conversations in the other program, as always, to try and piece it all together. And one of those today, UBS, uh, we're lucky enough to go and be on the sidelines there at the Australasian Conference in Sydney earlier on today. Andrew Gagan, our representative, was, uh, was down there interviewing all the other uh, big big hitters uh, in that particular conference. One of those was UBS uh, Global Chief Economist, Aaron Captain. You know, had a bit of a chat about everything going on in the, uh, the world at this point in time. Certainly, Carl, you and me both know from a macro perspective, there is never a dull day. Uh, you just not get his takes in particular about what the Fed may go and do and the risk of whether we'll see a hard landing or not. Uh, are we any closer to knowing that detail? 
whether we're going to see a hard landing or not. I mean, I just don't know how you can yeah. anything other. I, I mean, when the wheels fall off, right, it's uh, it's normally a pretty hard landing. Yeah. And I, I wonder the markets, what we've seen over the past uh, week or so, particularly the last few days, that uh, risk rally. I tell you what, uh, that is not doing the Fed any favours at this point in time. So I wonder to see how the Fed members come out and uh, go and you know, try and push back against that and uh, maybe go and get the, uh, the attention back towards what might happen with rates and uh, how far they might have to go up and how long they might have to go and hang up these levels to go and cause inflation to come back to some sort of gravity. Well, uh, Chris, course, uh, uh, doing the governor. you were just about to yeah, say, go on, my like, friend. Go so, yeah, go for your life, mate. No, I was just going to say those wallet comments last night certainly seemed to pour cold water over the, the whole notion that the market should be getting excited about this. It sort of harks back to... You know, Powell's frustration uh, in the middle of his last press conference when questioned on why the markets were rallying after his decision and uh, he was clearly a little vexed by the whole thing. Um, Waller dispatched uh, from the uh, the aviary perhaps and uh, told to crow a little hawkish. Uh, those comments talking about, you know, more or less, there's only one data point that we shouldn't be getting ahead of ourselves. So, I mean, if, surely you would imagine if we continue to get um, some language like that out of uh, some of the other Fed speakers that the markets will have to have to listen just a little bit and take heed. And I, I think that the pricing at the moment is an 80% chance for a 50 basis point hike. So we've moved pretty quickly in that direction over the space of a few days. Yeah, it's now being favoured. The, the one, if you want to go and send a real hawkish message, the Fed, of course, if the markets don't go and pay attention to what's being said, they always have the optionality to go and deliver a 75. I think we can all agree if it's a, a 50 or a 75, it's still pretty, pretty big move one way or another. And that could be one way to go and get the markets you know, and kind of refocus on what the Fed wants them to go and do rather than you know, what it wants the Fed to go and do, which at the moment I'm pretty certain we're seeing a lot of investors around the world try and go and do that. So one casualty, if we do go and see the Fed succeed in bringing inflation back to target, will probably be... A discretionary spending and you had the chance today to go and have a chat with johannes fall from morningstar mate uh about the local side of uh, things when it comes to the retail sector what was his sense as to how things are looking over the medium term well medium's long-term fairly constructive and i, I guess that's always the, the good caveat right is just to um discuss the the time frames that these people are looking at uh their their investment decisions from and he sort of acknowledges that yeah there might be a little bit of a slowdown in spending in particular over over the next year he doesn't expect it to come before the Christmas season. In fact, he, he sort of implied that he thinks um, consumer activity will be fairly robust going into the end of the year. But there's going to be some fairly, you know, significant headwinds next year. I, I pushed him on the whole cliff notion. He, 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 you know, thought that it would be a little bit more gradual than a than a cliff. But you know, he he, he his whole message was sticking to the the sort of thematics and the structural trends. So he he, you know, was really big on Kogan as being one that has seen the pandemic boom, has seen the pandemic bust, and now might be looking reasonably attractive and, um, in his opinion, uh, mispriced and undervalued um, as, a, as a play on that kind of e- e-commerce thematic, which, you know, doesn't look like it's going to reverse by any means. So it was an interesting conversation, you know, a, a, a takeaway that short-term things are going to get a little bit bumpy, but there's still plenty of um, money to be made in the, in the retail space if you look at a, uh, at a longer-term time horizon. Mate, you mentioned boom and bust. Mm-hmm. Can't go past what's going on in the crypto markets again. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it just lurches from bad to worse in that particular space. And you just wonder which domino is going to fall next. Not not know if, but when that takes place. Yeah, it's just the more that you see these threads being pulled, it's just amazing sometimes how intricate as well as... Uh, 
I almost say conspiratorial the world can be at the the higher echelons of society. You know, the connections with the the, the Demo- uh, Democrat Party in the United States, the de- the connections with certain donations to particular causes, the the, the mysterious outflow of funds over the weekend from a proposed, uh, mm. a, a, you know, purported hacker removing basically the last, uh, you know, cent out of the uh, out of the vault. It's just it's just incredible. And now I think you know SBF is. Uh, stuck in the Bahamas somewhere being questioned by um, investigators and whether this will actually amount to anything. The other thing that was really interesting too is that he's one of the biggest donors to the Democrat Party, which you know might have been supportive during the midterms, but there goes a, a hell of a lot of money uh, into into 2024 potentially. Uh, a lot of money, which was by his own admission, um, you know, in all these kind of uh, interviews and records. One with Matt Levine, I think, uh, recently, where he sort of openly calls yield farming uh, a Ponzi scheme, which is just, I mean, it's it's. I don't I don't follow the crypto space closely enough to care um, mm. up to this point or FTX. Uh, but surely anyone who was listening was was you know, hearing hearing all the signs of a of a corrupted enterprise. Yeah, I remember when I got told the uh, the principle of how yield farming worked, and I was <laughs> yeah. having a chat with one of the uh, staff members here at Osbiz, and I called it that very thing, a Ponzi scheme. Uh, somebody comes across it. What's in the box? Well, we now know what was in the box was a whole bunch of illiquid SHIT. I think it would probably say yeah, that. Uh, just invent your own token makes, and slap makes, a value on it. Yeah, it makes you wonder about what's in some of the other exchanges out there at the moment. So it just looks like a house of cards. And I wonder, like I look at the likes, you know, not necessarily in any particular order, but the likes of Tether. There's been lots of question marks about, you know, what's underpinning it. It's supposed to be a whole bunch of liquid assets. Well, I dare say that in an environment like this, the markets would go and test out that theory one way or another because uh, no, anything that's uh, no, looking a bit uh, opaque in the nature and uh, risky is going to go and get hit in this uh, no, no self-ask questions later, of course, if you can go and sell. So keep it close on that one. We had a chat today with, uh, with uh, Carl Capolingua from uh, Think Markets to look at the, the technical take of what's mm-hmm. going on. I think uh, whether it's fundamental, whether it's technical, it just looks terrible, the whole space at this point in time. So Carl yeah, was it's nuclear yeah. note. Nuclear November <laughs> says it all. Maybe that's the other title of the newsletter today. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, uh, getting back to the local market, uh, it was uh, at least at the, uh, the index level disappointing, but there was some uh, big moves both at the sector and also the individual company level. At the sector level, it was really the resources space yeah. doing the heavy lifting. The, the iron ore miners up and about, you know, uh, Fortescue Metals was basically it's up 10%. That's massive gains coming through at this point in time. Also looking at the likes of Core Lithium, uh, also having a decent day, and South 32 came out with a wet sailing, uh, wet uh, wet sail, I should say, up 5.6 percent. So that was clearly the area that was helping the market, along with energy, with Woodside up around about two percent. Then there was Elders. Now, for an agricultural company, and it's, it's had pretty much the sweet spot to its own for the past couple of years. But uh, it was out today, and uh, EBIT was uh, up, I think, you know, over 30 percent for the year. Uh, telling a pretty good story. The chief executive is going to be you know, leaving, long-term chief executive, but within a 12-month time horizon, not you know, walking out the door immediately. And the stock was smashed on the back of it. So I was had a chat with Fraser McLeod from Sharon Partners in Adelaide a little bit uh, earlier on today in the close, and he was surprised at the, uh, the magnitude of the fall that we've seen there, but just punished it. We're seeing it a lot within the moment. Uh, you know, companies that can report or give updates to the AGMs at this point in time, if it's not something that's in a completely sparkling result, uh, it just gets hit in 22% is a big fall. So we thought, well, this is probably an opportune time to go and put it to the investment committee, at least for consideration. So we sat down today 
on the call. Amber was in the hot seat today in Koshi's absence, and we uh, went and asked our two experts today, who were Nathan Somersundram from Deep Data Analytics and Joshua Barker from Macro Capital, what they should be doing right now with elders. Take a listen. I mean, the result was solid. I don't think that's a huge worry. It's more the fact that uh, he's moving over. There's a, a big quant fund in, in the second biggest shareholder is a quant fund. And yeah, when the quant funds decide to get out, they leave a trail of damage. So you, you have that advantage on your side. You want the discount for these kind of stocks because agri stock comes with their cyclical risk mm-hmm. and, um, and that's, uh, you're getting that now. Um, so I think it's, it's an interesting time. We, we've looked at this stock as probably 30, 40% cheap at this point. It's well placed. It's good valuation, and I think it's a diversified regional play, and the regional economy is doing well, so I'm happy to buy Elders. I actually agree. It's one that we've liked as well in the past, um, just caught up a little bit in negative sentiment. Um, one from Russia retreating um, from a significant part of the Ukraine, so grain prices are off a little bit, which it tends to track in the wheat price as well. Um, so Grain Corp today is down 3%. Um, so obviously the negative sentiment around the, the CEO transition, but it is a year away. Um, he has been pretty pivotal to the business. And there we have it. It's a double buy, double banger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, buying the dip in, uh, in Elders. I've got to say, Whilst the weather was side has been a factor, that causing uh, near-term uncertainty when it comes to its uh, overall financial performance, uh, the sweet spot still seems there, flying back and forth across the country, albeit very delayed. I've got to say, uh, it's very green looking out there at the moment. Yeah, uh, certainly, the really days is. of drought are now gone, and it's all, it is all about uh, rainfall and flooding. The, uh, the Murray mm. River is flooding quite dramatically at the moment in South Australia as all that rainfall comes through. But uh, certainly pretty good days ahead, you'd imagine, at least in the near term for that company. So I'm sure a few people are out there sniffing a bargain after this big decline that we're seeing over the course of the day today. Looking ahead, uh, mate, what are some of the key things that we're looking for? The Chinese data dump is out later in the week, I think on Thursday. Anything else kind of like on the domestic front, we've got wage price index Wednesday, the labour force survey on Thursday. What else are we kind of looking for at the moment? Or is it just going to be all about waiting for Fed speakers to come out and um, poo-poo the rally we've seen? Well, I'm curious about how we, what we get from the RBA tomorrow in its minutes and how it frames the decision last month and it's thinking about policy going forward and then judging that in the, uh, judging the, West, uh, the, the wage price index data within that context because there's a handful of reasons as to why the RBA says that it can it you know the Australian situation is different, and we can afford to kind of you know take a bit of a um, step back um, or ease off things when it comes to the aggressiveness with rate hikes. But if it so happens to be the case that um, wage growth, which isn't expected to come in, I think it's around four percent give or take uh, for the quarter, if it comes in higher and that kind of puts pay or one sort of nail in the coffin of that particular argument, it, it does raise a question where the RBA is you know wrong again in its forecasts. Um, and then the other thing too is we've got the US consumer companies giants um, reporting as well. So we've kind of let the earnings story slip over the last few weeks because you get that kind of mid-season lull. But you know Walmart, Home Depot, you've got simultaneously an inflation plus retail sales story there that could be fairly interesting as well as corporate profit margins. So, you know, it's probably not going to be as high impact as last week, I, I guess. You know, it'll be hard to follow 
that act. But some sort of tidbits there that will be interesting that could maybe to either temper the enthusiasm or it can you know sort of continue to vindicate vindicate this run higher because everyone seems to to want to drive you know equities higher into Christmas basically. Yeah, today was the first day as well. It was really noteworthy. There was no real reaction to what we saw when any of the Chinese markets on our individual market and performance. So that day, uh, probably sense that that good news that's been priced in has now been priced. So we need the next wave of good news to come through. And certainly when it comes to COVID cases in the near term in China, adding to the risk that we might go and see more restrictions put in place rather than repealed, certainly seems to be increasing at this point in time, even if there is optimism about the longer term. So I'm keeping a pretty close eye on that one as well. We'll get that Chinese data dump, as mentioned, on Thursday. Give us a sense as to what we'll be looking at when it comes to China's near-term economic trajectory from here. Look, uh, we've covered a lot of ground today. What do you reckon, mate? We're going to wrap it up now and do it all again tomorrow. Mate, love it. Talk to you then.